Welcome back to Vulcan Hello, the Incomparables Star Trek Discovery Flashcast. I am one of your hosts, Scott McNulty. I am joined by Jason Snell in an undisclosed location. Jason, how are you? Hello, Scott. I am in a secret place that is not a uh, a penal colony. <laughs> a former that penal has been colony. repurposed uh, into a hotel. <laughs> uh, although it could be, but it's not. Oh, yikes! Uh, that's a uh, look for Jason's review on Yelp of the hotel. Oh, yes, yeah, I guess <laughs> could have been yeah, a so former penal ch- colony. Check to hotels dot com and and you find out. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, what do we what do we do on this podcast? <laughs> uh, we we never answer that question, but we talk about uh, Star Trek Discovery immediately after it airs. Uh, I uh, was yes. I was looking at some reviews of our uh, season one episodes, and I don't think some people understood that. Uh, so we have just watched the episode, and now we're going to talk about it. Yeah, uh, literally, we just watched it. I can't believe that they haven't watched it multiple times and studied the wiki page. And the answer is no. We just literally just watched it, and now we will talk about it because it is a flashcast. That is the whole point. Exactly. But before we do that, we need to talk about tea. Yes, we should. The uh, the New Mexico Tea Companies continues to sponsor us. Has not pulled its uh, sponsorship uh, nine episodes in out of frustration for us not watching the episode and picking up every nuance that you could see upon 10 rewatches. They're very nice that way. NMTCO.com slash TV. And you can use the code, I think it's TREK, to get uh, 15% off. It's on that page if you go there. 15% off your order of tea. And then they've got a couple things that are sort of Star Trek themed since there was tea in Star Trek this season on Discovery. And, uh, and we thank them for that. Um, I, I guess I should also mention, since it's kind of the membership season, that uh, we would love people, if they are not already a member, to become a member of The Incomparable. There are like monthly and annual versions of that. Uh, contribution levels at $5, 10 and $20 a month. And you get a bunch of uh, extras, like... Uh, uh, bootlegs of some of our shows the, as soon as we're recording them as soon as that's over we upload them and then you can be like us with star trek and you can just like immediately after <laughs> recording listen to a podcast that hasn't been edited and uh and that's kind of fun and we do members only bonus things especially during the pledge drive season which this is and uh there are a couple star trek themed things that we've done scott Yes, we have. Uh, we did a random Trek TV crossover where Jason and I discussed probably the number one requested thing that people on the internet want Jason and I to talk about, which is the Orville for some reason. So we talked about uh, the Orville's recent two-parter identity, uh, and then we did a random Trek Total Party Kill crossover, uh, our second mission of the USS Incomparable, as our brave crew... Uh, has some hijinks as we play the Star Trek Adventures role-playing game. Right, exactly. And those are all going to be rolling out in the next few weeks on to the members. So you could become a member. And when you do, you get access not only to that, but sort of everything else that we've ever done for members. You get all of it when you sign up. And uh, if you like the Orville, uh, you may not like <laughs> us talking about it. I'll just put it that way. Just little spoilers there. We, do, we don't we, like the no, Orville. We don't. But no. we like our members. Yeah, so go to uh, theincomparable.com slash members and sign up. And uh, you can, if you listen to multiple shows on the network, you can choose which shows to support. You check the TV box. That helps us. Mm-hmm. But you can also uh, support other podcasts like Random Trek, for example, or The Incomparable. That's the one that I, I do. And uh, those, the, if you want, and if the, you check a bunch of boxes, then your money is split across all the ones that you pick. Um, and if you only want to support one thing, you check... To the TV box or the random track box, let's oh. say, and it'll all go random track. It all goes to Scott just like that, right in his pocket. That's right, and, and continues uh, my transformation into a podcast mogul. 
Yes, podcast mogul. Exactly. Those were the words I was going to use. Anyway, if you'd like to support us, theincomparable.com slash members. And that ends the filthy commerce portion of this podcast. Yes. Thank you all. Now let's talk about uh, Star Trek Discovery. Uh, what is it? Season two, episode nine, I believe. Mm-hmm. We are we yes. are more than halfway through uh, yes. this yes. season. Project Daedalus. Project Daedalus, which of course is has nothing to do with the episode except that it is one of the final lines of dialogue spoken in the episode. An interesting title choice, I thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, considering, I guess they couldn't call it uh, "Arium Dies." Yeah, they well they they could have, but that would have given away the the plot. The Arium, who has said like eight words the entire run of the character, has a flashback and lots of dialogue. And as mm-hmm. I'm watching this, I'm thinking. Oh, she's she's gonna die. <laughs> like, like it, it, this is what you do is you send the character out by finally giving her dialogue, so that mm-hmm. uh, then then when she dies, it's a uh, it is it's still though it's quite a moment. We have had that character around for the whole run of the show, and uh, and you know we've gotten to know her a little more and like her more, and uh, that was just a ploy because now we are sad because she is dead. At least we know now she is indeed an augmented human yes. who was in an awful uh, shuttle accident that killed her husband and she was augmented with uh you know like a uh, she's half robot as tilly says <laughs> tilly which is. made me laugh yeah, i assume they had you know some cybernetics lying around and so they slapped some on her uh and and now she is well she's dead now but she was yeah. saved from death and transformed into a cyborg uh which is i mean that's what everyone was talking about who is Arium? Or more importantly, what is Arium? Is she a robot? Is she a, uh, an alien race we've not met before? So this this episode answers that question, and then of course kills her. Kills so her. So we mm-hmm. don't have to yeah, think about her anymore. She, she was half robot, and now she is uh, dead. Now she's dead, oh, Jim. Oh well. But Alas. I thought they they so I thought it was quite effective. Uh, I, I teared up a little when she was dying uh, because it was I knew what they were going to do uh, because one of the things we also we, we found out so many things about Arium in this episode uh, is that apparently she needs to get like a memory upgrade or something because uh, she needs to purge her memories weekly or daily. I wasn't quite sure how often. Yeah, she's got like a storage locker. She's like she needs more to buy more cloud storage or something like that. But <laughs> I, I, I think what they were going for is like a normal human brain purges memories every night when you go to sleep, and um, that she has to do that kind of manually. But um, it, then it is a plot twist that she's downloaded basically like offloaded all her memories so she can load up the sphere database, the murder sphere from er, an earlier episode, <laughs> yes, and transmit it to the AI that. Uh, that Control. seemed extraneous when um, when uh, Georgiou mentioned it a few weeks ago as, oh, you guys have this AI that you talk to. And mm-hmm. I in my back in my universe, we tell the computers what to do. And it turns out that was actually a setup for the fact that the, there is a an out of control artificial intelligence from Section 31 that may it, it may in fact be the nemesis of the Red Angel mm-hmm. after all. That's what I think. Because... Because the the episode doesn't say it outright because they're like, oh, the, um, you know, Arium is trying to get this information. It's all part of Section 31. But the truth we know is that she was hacked by the data from the modified probe. And so that that implies that that uh, this force from the future that is opposed by the Red Angel is um, is like the. AI from the control AI from the future who killed everybody. Uh, it's very Terminator sent back in time mm-hmm. to create itself, basically with Arium's help. 
Yes, and Arian lets slip. So, you know, the Red Angel, uh, there are really two parts of this episode, really, right? There's right. the Arium story and then kind of the Spock-Burnham right. relationship. Uh, and, and it kind of overlaps because at the end, uh, where there's this very tense scene with Burnham and Arium, Arium says, I was, it, it wants me to kill you, Michael. You are the one that it is, you are the one that's important. And we've been, you know, they've been having conversations with Spock and Michael trying to figure out why Sp- the Red Angel is talking to Spock. Exactly. Uh, and so now now the question is, which one is is it only talking to Spock because it needs to get to Burnham or? I feel like we called this in the sense that the first appearance we see of the Red Angel or that we hear about is um, not chronologically, I guess, saving that church um, mm-hmm. during World War Three was also <laughs> chronologically earlier. But but uh, the key point when we find out about Spock and the Red Angel is that Spock didn't just see the Red Angel. The Red Angel told Spock to go to save, save Burnham, Burnham. Mm-hmm. and and therefore Burnham is important. And uh, I loved how that doubled back on itself where Spock... Uh, tells her, I think quite rightly, and it's and it's a, it's a plot point that I, has been frustrating me. Um, she says, you know, I had to leave because my people were, you know, you, my family was going to be in jan- danger from the logic extremists. And Spock is like, this is stupid. They hated us because they had a half breed uh, child, and mm-hmm. that is why. And you had nothing to do with it. Stop making everything about you. And I think he's got a very good point. But as he's saying it, I'm thinking, oh boy, it really is about her, isn't it? <laughs> like that, that's, that's it really is about her spot. <laughs> it turns turns out maybe maybe it is. But also that's a, like he does his chess thing, which leads mm-hmm. Burnham to have a realization that they need to um, they need to not uh, go by the book when they're getting attacked by mines. That they need to be more random, uh, which is a, a nice little moment. So I thought the a, a plot and the B plot um, interconnected pretty well because yes. you know sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes they are completely separate. That they they did the good interweaving, and there are a lot of yeah. good. Uh, I feel like there are the standout scenes for me at least were the 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 when anytime Spock and Burnham were arguing, uh, and uh, when uh, Burnham was kind of wrestling with uh, if she could kill Arium or not, and she didn't want to, um, and right. it turns out she doesn't. But uh, and that that harkens back, and this is what I, what led me to this because the interweaving that harkens back to what Spock was saying, and that you know you want to take everything uh, as a burden onto yourself because you are not strong enough to uh, deal with your grief. Uh, and so that's what she's doing in this. She wants to solve this problem. She doesn't want to, I mean, she doesn't want to kill her friend, obviously, but, uh, to the larger point that she's always like, I can fix this. This is on me. And, uh, is kind of like, no, you need to kill me because this will ruin all life in the galaxy. If you don't. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's a good, it's, it's very, the, the theme of the episode, the title is a weird choice, but the theme of the episode is, uh, is I think pretty solid. I do. And now this is, I think that arguably, so last episode uh, w- uh, was kind of um, just outstanding, right? Because you got the the original series time, they're, t- they're Tolosians, it's all very exciting. Uh, yeah. and, and this would be a hard, that's a hard act to follow. And I think that this episode, while not as exciting perhaps uh, as that episode was, still good, uh, but also... Our first real opportunity to see Ethan Peck kind of perform as uh, Spock. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, what, and we get that think? scene where he uh, smashes the 3D chess set and talks about yes, how and he's, wrote, he's kind down, of embracing his emotions. 
whenever Spock gets emotional, he breaks stuff. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, I think the um, I I liked. I liked that because, uh, and I know there are going to be people freaking out about like, oh, how can he be emotional and all that? But I think very clearly what they're trying to do is tell a story about like how Spock got from there to how we know him in the original series. And he's not there yet. He's he's younger mm-hmm. and he's having some real issues um, with grappling with his emotions that obviously, and we'll probably see it, but obviously he's going to get over it and get to a better place but he, and by the time we see him in star trek but he isn't he isn't there yet um so yeah yeah it's uh it's uh i i i think that's exactly what they're intending is to show that journey and to show how he goes from being more emotional to being more locked down yes and i really enjoy uh the kind of the relationship that they're building and kind of showing us between burnham and spock and how they are I buy it as uh, they're siblings that have uh, been estranged and, and Spock is kind of trying to push her away for a variety of reasons. Uh, so as uh, Spock and Burnham uh, and another scene. Uh, so kind of highlighting that, I think the perfect scene for, to kind of sum up their relationship is when they are in engineering and Stamets is trying to figure out what is wrong with the spore drive. And uh, they are on opposite sides of a view screen, just staring at the red angel occurrences. Uh, and Stamets looks up and says, talk to each other uh, yeah and burnham says we're thinking and he's like think, think louder. louder and then they then they have a whole conversation Stamets is like okay get out of my my engineering room now get out <laughs> beat right. it because they're just bickering they can't stop bickering uh spock uh you can yeah, it's all about you like oh, yeah it is all about me sometimes it's about me no it's not it's about me <laughs> yeah exactly mm-hmm they they all think they're the main character on Star Trek Discovery. That's funny. It is funny. Only one of them. Only one oh. of them can be, and it's not Spock. It is not Spock. I did laugh though when Spock goes to so Burnham uh, Stamets kicks them out of engineering and they go to Burnham's uh, Burnham and Tilly's quarters, uh, and Spock comments on uh, Burnham's lack of decor in her quarters, uh, and I just thought it was funny because every time we see Spock's quarters, it's always he's he's big into decor in his quarters. <laughs> That's uh, right. So that and hers just made is, me chuckle. Hers is uh, is barren. So yeah, that that was a good that was a good reference. I like uh, that we have logic extremists again. Yes. Uh, the admiral is apparently a logic extremist, uh, but it turns out she's a fake ad- hologram admiral, <laughs> and the real admiral is a frozen corpse. Oh, so. No. Which I saw coming. Uh, but uh, yeah, so the, the point of this discovery, uh, they pick up Admiral Cartwright, Cart, Cartwell, Cartwell, Cartwright, What's Cornwell. Cornwell, it's not even Cartwright. Oh boy, Cartwright is a different, different guy, admiral uh, from a different show. Uh, And and they need to go to Section Thirty One's headquarters, and uh, because Cornwell has been uh, locked out of control, and control is now, which is this AI machine thing that apparently makes all the decisions for Starfleet. But usually, they take its, it it makes recommendations, and then they, uh, the admirals take the recommendation and then apply their own judgment to it. But Section 31 is all like, no, it could do better than you silly admirals, so we're just going to let it control everything for some reason, which seems like a bad idea. Um, and it, it turns out to be a bad idea. Uh, and so mm-hmm. Corbell's like, let's go, Discovery. we got to go uh, see what's happening on this this the very well-defended uh, Section 31 former penal colony headquarters. Yeah, with and lines I, and stuff. I, I think mines. it's clear now that Section Thirty One is um, 
a if not the big uh bad of this season and mm-hmm. we're gonna see them get uh curtailed or broken up or uh something because they are i mean the way that this is all set up is like this is all they're basically trying to overthrow the the federation although it may be that they're the victims of of the ai of the control ai and that it turns out that that they're they're dupes as well but it doesn't look you know they're definitely being painted with a broad brush as the bad guys Uh here and i think well my guess here's i'm gonna i'm gonna fire off the conspiracy uh phaser a little early because my guess is that i think you're right jason they are it's gonna turn out that uh the the ai has been manipulating them uh, right. But it's only been able to do that because the Federation and Starfleet have given Section 31 so much power. Uh, and this will address the, you know, the solution to this will address the problem that a lot of people are having about how come Section 31 doesn't really show up in any of the other shows uh, until much later. And even then, it's kind of very clandestine. Uh, and that is because, as we have, I think, theorized in previous episodes, I think the the repercussions of this is that Starfleet realizes maybe we shouldn't give this uh, shadowy organization as much power and ships and a secret base and an AI yeah. and all these mines. <laughs> exactly, we're gonna we're gonna have them uh, back off a little exactly. bit and we'll recede back into the background and mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I think I think that is uh, probably where this is going. I think so too, and and yeah, and this gives us a good uh, Pike scene when uh, they show up. Uh, outside of the the base there and it's all kinds of mines and saru says but the federation has outlawed mines and uh uh, cornwall says well you know technically the federation didn't make these mines so (laughs) it's okay uh and pike is having none of it and he's like that's not what we do you know if we backtrack on our ideals uh and and the admiral's like you're just mad because you weren't in the klingon war uh and pike is like you probably did that so i wouldn't as you know ask these tough questions to which she said, no, we sidelined the Enterprise because if we lost the war, we wanted the best of Starfleet and the Federation to survive. Uh, which and, they cut, him cut, and they cut to Owo and Detmer on the bridge. And I had that moment of like, are they thinking, what do you mean? Are we not the best? <laughs> I had that too. I was like, wait a second. <laughs> hey, we're sitting right here. <laughs> that's right we oh, like captain yeah. pike but come on <laughs> yeah i mean only the only enterprise people on this show right now are pike and spock and and uh non who who got a lot more airtime this time um the security officer from the enterprise who we learned that she is a bars on apparently and needs the, and the thing on her face her headgear their orthodontic headgear <laughs> is a breathing apparatus <laughs> which gets and knocked her off of her immediately by arium when they're uh over at the space station and uh and it, she appears to suffocate, and then uh, at the very end, she's fine. <laughs> so she's fine. That, and she, I, she, I thought that was uh, funny. Uh, she's like on the floor, and she's reaching for her thing, and she goes, "Uh." And then we don't see her again. And I'm thinking, Burnham, uh, you should, you should go before you out. tend before <laughs> when you're walking around and worrying about what's going on with Arium, you might also want to uh, help your colleague who can't Who's breathe. Dying. Yes, <laughs> but apparently she was fine, and we just didn't see and. Okay, that was. I thought that was weird, but I thought it was an interesting note about how she gets uh, knocked out. Is that Arium knows her weakness and and uh, knocks her little thing off her face? Yeah, I thought that was. Good. I mean, they telegraphed that in a previous scene when Arium's like, yes. "Hey, uh, so, so. <laughs> if I knock that thing off of you, do you, can you not breathe?" Okay, good, good, good note, good note. I'll get just, back. Just curious. I like that Nan is, I... is, is, 
Nan is actually super suspicious of Ariam the whole time and is watching mm-hmm. her and kind of knows that something is off, which I liked because it doesn't change the pattern of events, but it shows that she's actually got good intuition as a security officer that she's she she thought something was up. She didn't act on it, but, you know, maybe she didn't get a clear enough signal, but she definitely was leaning that way. And that was a. Uh, that was interesting. She she hasn't had a lot to do this season, so that was yeah. a good little bit for her, too. Yeah, and Arian was doing her... She was doing things that were slightly odd, but not, like, super strange, so I could understand yeah. why she wouldn't be like, ha-ha, you're up to no good. And it's very clear. I, I, I thought that the the um, that scene it's touching, but it's also very clear about sort of how it's working with Arium is where Arium is disturbed, like something isn't quite right, and she says to Tilly, mm-hmm. um, "Stay with me here while I do this." And then, what of course, what ends up happening later is the little three red flashes happen, and she tells Tilly, "No, no, no, I, I you should go." Uh, but you told me to stay. No, you should go. And uh, it's like, oh, it didn't work. But, but that was Arium being kind of like aware on some level that things weren't quite right and trying to fight it, which also helps set up that last moment where she's able to talk, but knows that the that you know she's not going to be able to stop her body from uh, killing Burnham if she gets through that door. Right, which I thought was very effective. And then mm-hmm. they, you know, Tilly kind of talks her, buys a little more time by sending her, like FTPing her some video videos some of her memories, memories of, uh, you know, their card game or whatever, or talking about their whatever game they were doing. I don't remember yeah. the name of the game. Um, and also Tilly has uh, another very funny, li- a couple of funny lines when uh, the Admiral comes on board. She's uh, very excited to tell her that um, she's never been a fugitive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which Helpful. I thought was a little weird. <laughs> Uh, but yeah. I also I love the when she said, "Oh, Captain Pike, do you remember uh, the giant sphere that was full of uh, the galaxy's worth of knowledge?" <laughs> and he was like, "Yeah, yeah I was there. <laughs> I was in that episode. Yes, I I am aware of it. Yeah, yeah. No, she was. I like that with Tilly. She's totally out of control, uh, like off on a tangent. And when you snap her back." She's got, always got an answer, right? That that's the thing about her is that she goes off on these tangents, but then they're like, "Tilly, what have you learned?" She's like, "Oh." And she's got an answer. She, she's like, oh, I forgot to do that. I was so focused on uh, writing up my resume for the Admiral <laughs> that I didn't scan for life forms. And it's like, no, she's already done that. She's an honor student. She's always, you know, she's going above and beyond. And then she just, I, I, um, I have a nitpick about uh, Saru's uh, uh, moment, Sherlock Holmes moment, where he solves that that Spock's mm-hmm. thing is a setup, and that uh, the Admiral is actually a hologram. Uh, which he does after the fact, by the way. It's like, oh, she's dead. Oh, aha. Well, that's because I figured out a while ago and didn't tell anyone she's a hologram. Um, because I guess those screens, when they send mm. you things, they don't just send you light. They also send you heat and ultraviolet wavelengths so that you can analyze yeah, you know, them. Here's here's my headcanon, Jason. Okay. Uh, and how you are a human racist. Uh, it's because uh, there are many species that live on board oh. starships, so the screens have to emit uh, a large spectrum of light so that oh, everyone can see it. So if I was a if I was a uh, a species that communicated in part through uh, infrared heat ish signatures. Uh, like a Horta or something, mm-hmm. uh, they would need to, well, they haven't found them yet, but let's just say for fun, or, or I don't know, a devil, a devil Lloyd from a hot <laughs> planet that makes fire from its mm-hmm. head. Um, <laughs> you would need to have the infrared signature there, or otherwise you'd be like totally uh, speciesist uh, just for humans. 
Exactly. And then the okay. universal Head translator accepted. See, there you go. That I did have All that right. same problem though, okay. I will admit. And that is how Saru Holmes solves the mystery of the <laughs> murderous Vulcan. Yes, which after basically we the mystery has been solved and he's like, "Oh, of course." <laughs> Uh, yeah. How could she be dead and for two weeks and also talking to us? Uh, so does that mean that she wasn't a logic extremist, though? That's my question, because she is identified as a logic extremist. I don't know how you would... Why would you let a logic extremist <laughs> into Starfleet as an that's admiral? Question. That, an extremist at all. So maybe it was something Cornwell found that was a that was actually Ooh. the AI and it was all a setup. I don't know. Oh yeah, I don't know. Well, I think we we need to keep our eye on on the uh, ridiculous logic extremists. Yes, they they could be dangerous. I think I suspect, given the way that this episode ends, that there's next week there's going to be a lot at the beginning that is kind of like sifting through what we learned in this episode because mm-hmm. this episode ends fairly abruptly, and I would imagine that we're going to get Cornwell um, and Pike and. The, maybe Spock talking about like what all they've learned here and what it all means, and uh, and that will include maybe that something about the admiral maybe wasn't and Section Thirty One really isn't and they don't know and all of those sorts of things. So uh, th- there's there's more to more to do here next time. I think yeah, I think I think we'll see that next time. I think so as well. Uh, I, and I, I have a couple of, of things that I would like to point out. The, a, we've got a lot of uh, Jonathan Frakes directed, uh, and he continues the this season's swooping cameras for no apparent mm-hmm. reason, uh, which is getting more and more distracting with every episode. Uh, I don't understand it. Uh, but I did enjoy, and I don't know if this is purposeful or not, but when they, they go over to uh, Section 31's uh, little... Uh, uh, ship thingy uh, station uh, the gravity is off and there is a yeah. scene that is you know they're wearing their little uh, EVA suits and uh, they've got their little gravity boots and they turn them on and I thought to myself that is straight out of Star Trek 6 uh, yeah. when they go over and there's, and there's the, blood uh, in the air there's mm-hmm. There's blood floating in the air because it would be frozen and, uh, in this case, and uh, floating because of no gravity. I was going to say, I really like the scene where they've got that shot from above because they see that there are dead bodies kind of floating around in the oh, zero yes. gravity. And mm-hmm. then they turn the gravity back on and I'm like, oh, here we go. And they, they do it from <laughs> above. And I almost wanted a moment where Burnham was like, okay, everybody stand back because then let the bodies hit the floor. <laughs> it's just like, they all come down. <laughs> it's like, I, I almost wanted, I was expecting them to like shoot shatter or something but they need to analyze them so oh they yeah because they no they, I, they, they might have thought that was too gross i guess uh, mm, but, probably uh, uh, yeah uh, i would have thought it was gross but they were frozen for two weeks so they probably yeah. would have shattered uh technically i don't know i mean it, 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 you who would knows? have to get who knows how they just it was just enough to freeze them solid there there They're it wasn't maybe that cold in there i don't know I don't know. We'll have to run some scientific experiments first. Okay. I will need yes. Four Somebody corpses. check that out. <laughs> yes. yes, and a very large freezer, and and, a, <laughs> and and some liquid nitrogen. That's right. That's all. That's all you need. And then you can make ice cream afterwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, what else? I did think so. At the end, so the big, it's all leading up to this scene where uh, Arium is uh, attempting to download the information from the sphere to the, to control. The control wants it because it wants to become conscious and uh, evolve itself, which I thought was an, they didn't really address this, but it's an interesting conundrum for Starfleet, I feel like, because now this is like a, a life form. So should they halt its expansion? But then they kind of know 
that it's going to want to kill everybody. So what do you do? It's, it's difficult. Uh, and they need to stop her from doing that, right? And for a moment, I thought that the Tilly was going to talk to her and send the memories and kind of convince her and she was going to fight back. And because uh, that's a pretty Star Trekky solution, right? And then maybe she would short out and there would be an error or something and they would mm. reboot her or something and she would be okay. Uh, but that is not what happens, as no, people already that know. Sounds, that sounds more like an episode of the Orville. Spoilers oh, for the Orville. True. Anyway, <laughs> that's true. That is, I, I, as I'm saying that, it is, in fact, how that episode of the Orville ends. <laughs> Everybody's fine. Anyway, uh, uh, Arium is not fine. No. And I think that I, I am glad they didn't do it that way. Uh, I'm glad they tried to do that, obviously. But I, I, not that I want Arium to be dead, but I thought it was the right choice given how they set this up. Um, and, and, then, and I also thought it was the right choice that Burnham couldn't do it like she didn't want to do it and so she was trying to get some more information and arium says you know it was all about you you have to find project daedalus and uh she says well where do i find it and then out the airlock she goes and that's when we find out oh non is actually not dead uh and not she's dead. okay <laughs> she yeah, can open airlocks fine. when burnham's fine it was good timing though like just enough to get the clue out but not any follow-up <laughs> questions that's right. You know, you have to ramp up the uh, the, the suspense. No, that's a great. That's a great moment. It is somebody with their dying breath giving you the clue to the next thing you need to find, and mm-hmm. and then the story continues. That's it's well done. I think. Uh, you know, it's funny because of course that's how it is. But <laughs> there is that moment where it, it's a great. It's a great one-two punch though, because it's it, it is really everything is because of you. It's you, and you've got to find Project Daedalus and psh, out the out the airlock with you. And she's like, what? Uh, I don't understand anything that you just said. Also, Nan, couldn't you have waited like five seconds? Yeah. No. She's a woman of action. Also, that's yep. another thing. Uh, all the the kind of the main characters in this episode, for the most part, who are in the action are all women. So, yes. Hooray yeah. for that. Yeah. All, all woman landing party, for sure, because Saru's got to do his uh, to, investigating. Gotta, yeah. Pike says, Saru, you are, you're going over. And Saru's like, well, I've got this thing. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't want to tell I'm, you. About I'm working it. on something here. It's like, all right, burn them. Fine. Yeah, uh, yeah, and and so I think we already talked about this. This episode also uh, exonerates Spock. Uh, yeah, Ad- Admiral Cornwell comes along with her her lie detection orbs. Uh, yes, the bubbles flying <laughs> flying lie detector bubbles, <laughs> and uh, asks a bunch of questions. And Spock is fine. Uh, he's not lying, uh, even though she she says. He believes that he didn't do it. <laughs> right. Well, she's seen the uh, the video evidence, which mm-hmm. I think is the thing about this uh, episode that's going to age the worst, is like, they're only figuring out in the 23rd century that video evidence can be faked, I think. <laughs> well, she uh, checked the source code or whatever she said. Yeah, right, right. I mean, obviously, yeah, they've got some sort of way to do authentication here, but it turns out that it's it's basically a technology that that is beyond, which is what we know Section 31 has, technology beyond what Federation science seems to have is being used here to in, to make video that looks authentic but isn't. And so we see the video of Spock uh, doing what we saw before, plus then he picks up a phaser and shoots the people. And we know that from looking at his memory that that's not what happened, and, uh, and then that's uh, but this is why they were convinced that it was him until mm-hmm. it finds out. Because, you know, again, Section 31 almost certainly killed those people. Yes. The Section 31 is uh, up to no good. Yes. Uh, and Saru figures that out with his, his you know, Sherlock uh, Saru uh, mm-hmm. with his, his special eyes that are solving everything this season. Uh, yep. <laughs> 
And uh, so that's the kind of that's done. We already knew that he didn't kill him, but we, now everybody else knows on that ship. So that's good. Oh, and I think the one thing we haven't mentioned that I want to throw out there is um, is Stamets's moment with Spock, mm, which has yes. two great parts to it. One is um, that uh, that Stamets says, "Why would they choose? Why would the Red Angel choose a random Vulcan?" Mm-hmm. You know, you, they wouldn't do that. Um, that can be your next podcast, Random Vulcan. <laughs> and oh, this week it's a logic extremist. Oh, <laughs> oh no! <laughs> uh, and then, and then Spock turns the tables and provides a very good analysis of the situation with Culber, who is not in this episode, and Stamets, where mm-hmm. he says maybe he is. Uh, and it sounds like he's going to twist the knife, but instead he's actually laying down some Spock uh, logic, which is mm-hmm. maybe he is not leaving your cabin because he doesn't love you maybe it's because he doesn't know who he is like no 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 you know and it's a very much like i can i can tell you from my personal experience right. that he's also undergoing this experience and it's a nice little parallel and i think that it's wisdom and uh and uh i i like that exchange that that was a good exchange yes and it also i don't remember if this happened before or after the seed where spock does a similar thing with burnham when he you think he's just being super mean when he's like you know, you should have you. You're responsible for your parents' death. You should have been able to stop the Klingons. You should have been able to stop. And, and you think, well, Spock, why are you being so mean? This doesn't make any yeah. sense. But he's just being really logical and trying to help her with this emotional block that she has. Yeah, he, he's show, he's showing her that that's stupid. That mm-hmm. she's none of those things actually are true. Um, because, but she's made it all about her. It's it's funny because that's in in a brother being super annoying to his mm-hmm. sister way he is a- he is actually in the most snide way possible <laughs> most snotty little brother way possible he's saying stop blaming yourself for your parents death but mm-hmm. you know in a jerky way <laughs> you know that's uh, he's doing that's the vulcan half the vulcan way yes exactly <laughs> oh vulcans so jerky uh and yeah and i found it so arium dies very sad she dies watching the memories of her she sends a little she has a memory of i guess they sent like a video message to somebody about the postcard yeah so Mm -hmm. she watches that uh and she dies and uh then they just fade to black there's no uh music over the end credits and there's no next time on uh star trek discovery just the sound of the the beach the sad beach from the sad hologram and And as we think she's she's dead we you know ariam we hardly knew you but uh, now you're dead. But at least now we know your origin. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we know we... what you were, and now you're dead. <laughs> and maybe maybe you'll come back somehow. I, I, I doubt it. But maybe. Who knows? Maybe there's a backup somewhere. That's I don't right. know. They'll just reboot Arium. So so what did you think, Jason, of this episode in, in the pantheon of Season 2 Discovery episodes? I, I would say pretty good. Um, hard act to follow, like you said mm-hmm. uh, last uh, last week, and so they gave us some action with the with the mines and stuff, and then the fighting in the uh, in the space station. The Arium plotline didn't linger too long, which I like. I like that they resolved it fairly quickly in three mm-hmm. episodes instead of stretching it out for longer. Because I hate that when you've got the the enemy lurking for oh, weeks yes. and, and then weeks you just and weeks. See her in the background making yeah. you know meaningful glances. <laughs> 
yeah i do i do feel like there are some some seams here you know we get we get uh, the admiral cornwell comes on board in the very first scene and they've omitted like yes. that whole story and they get <laughs> us up to speed and that very clearly like they don't have time to tell this in a show us that part of the story they gotta really kind of get to the meat of it and mm-hmm. i'm i'm not entirely sure i buy this weird kind of starfleet schism that's happening here but i think that they're going to do a lot of i i think it, it that part feels weird because they, they know they're going to address it next week probably and uh and then it'll feel better but the individual moments are really good and it was exciting and i, I think it was a good episode um if not uh maybe up to the the standards of the best episodes of this season I agree. I was worried uh, since the last episode was so good that this episode would would be a letdown, and it wasn't. So that is a, a good. And it it yeah. was it was better than not a letdown. So I don't want to yeah. damn it with faint praise here. Uh, and it had some some great scenes. And I did enjoy mm-hmm. the fight between Burnham and uh, Arium. That was very exciting. Uh, I was less excited about the mines, but it looked cool. So that's fine. Uh, yeah. And, and they had a variety of mines, so that's always fun. That's good. It's good when there's more than one model of something. <laughs> exactly. You you spend a little money on uh, having a couple of them. Uh, yeah. I will say uh, this isn't about this episode in particular, but the it opens with uh, a shot of the discovery. Uh, and uh, when I first saw the discovery, I wasn't so excited about the ship design, but it has grown on me. I can I like it, and I think it yeah. looks really good in this episode. So. Yeah, I agree. They they found some ways to sh- to shoot it, and I kind of like. I still like being reminded that it's so weird looking in part because it's the Ralph McQuarrie mm-hmm. drawing for the Star Trek Phase Two. I think that yeah, they I ended so. up not using um, for the Enterprise, and Ralph McQuarrie, of course, designed like all the Star Wars spaceships and a bunch of other stuff too. And they they kind of used his design as the basis for the Discovery design. So it's kind of fun that it looks it looks weird, but it's kind of a classic design that they found a way to put in the in the show. And now, yeah, it's recognizable. I think that it's important for a Star Trek ship to <laughs> be recognizable. I, I, I know I that sounds sounds weird, but it's like if you've got a show about a Star Trek ship, you should be able to spot that ship and be like distinctive I know mm-hmm. that that's Discovery or Voyager or the Enterprise, you know, choose a letter or no letter. Um, and and uh, Discovery has done that. And it helps uh, when there are more than one ship on the screen and you can know which one is the one with the characters that you like. On right. It. So um, before we go, I have uh, I have other than praising New Mexico Tea Company at NMTCO.com. I'll praise the tea. Uh, slash TV. Uh, but I, I also want to say uh, I have a I have a new wild conspiracy theory. <gasps> Let's fire the conspiracy phaser. Um, and this came, I think, somebody in our incomparable members Slack, which people get access to if they become a member. So I oh. called back to that now. Mm-hmm. Suggested this, and I had I have to admit I was thinking about it, but um, it really crystallized when they mentioned it. And it's you know you know how the short trek about Saru and his people. Mm-hmm. came back um, oh. well there is also this very perplexing short trek where like a thousand years in the future the discovery is sitting in a nebula somewhere w- w- with an artificially intelligent uh, ship's computer and nobody on board saying it's waiting for the crew to come back mm-hmm. and it's very weird it's like why is why is this the fate of the discovery and i'm not saying that this is a super likely possibility but i want to throw it out there in a in a, a season with time travel I wonder if that might actually be the fate of the discovery there might be related to in some way to the time travel. Oh, 
and that 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 is going to be uh, the, the calypso episode might actually be relevant in some way to what's going on with the time travel I'm, I'm not i'm not like super convinced of it but i think it's an interesting idea that we have seen this idea that that discovery has been waiting for a thousand years and and now we've got a show a season about time travel maybe they're connected somehow maybe it's somebody who has to go to the far future and pick up the discovery and then send a message back in time or something like that. I don't know. Also, I think at this point I would be surprised if the red angel isn't Burnham and maybe that's what, what they want us to think, Uh, but um, you know, it's all about her, right? So I guess it is her. I, I I thought you were going to mention the conspiracy theory that someone said in the member uh, slack about uh, the red angel being Captain Picard and he is traveling through time uh, doing buzz marketing for Picard Vineyards. (laughs) (laughs) Could be. Could be. That would certainly start the buzzing. <laughs> That's right. Somehow the, the Picard wine is the only wine in the history of Earth. Mm-hmm. How'd that happen? That's right. That's right. That's what the new Picard series is going to be about, people. You heard yeah. it here first. Yeah, wine marketing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, bye, T. Uh, watch Star Trek. What else do you want to hear from me? <laughs> yeah, that's it. I, I, are anything anything more before we go? Uh, no, I think that we're we're just gonna end abruptly with no end credit music and no next time on Vulcan Hello. R.I.P. Uh, half robot lady. <laughs>